Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. again, everybody, and thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and I'm thrilled to be here with you again today as we find strategies, techniques, and methods for, for dealing with the scourge of bullying and trying to help teachers, administrators, parents, and even students deal with this problem. Now, on November 7th and 8th, I was down at the New Jersey Education Association's Teacher Convention. And I, you know, you walk around, you visit vendors. There was, I had a table down there where I was doing some work. And I ran across, ran across a young man who was doing podcasting and he was interviewing teachers. And I started to have a chat with him, and my conversation with him was so compelling that I thought it would be a good idea if I had him on the show. The young man's name is E.K. Chuku Anyama. He is a teacher in East Orange, New Jersey, and he's co-founder of the MAPSO Freedom School, a nonprofit committed to educational justice. And he's an avid writer and he enjoys speaking, thus he's doing podcasts, and I thought it would be a great idea if Anti-Bullying 101 had him on the show for an interview. And I was thrilled to do that interview last night, and as part of this show, I am going to be playing that interview so you can hear just what this young man is all about, how he strives for perfection, how he is trying to make sure that that he is honed in his craft as a teacher and how much time he actually puts in for the benefit of his community and the school, family, and other areas of his life. So, without further ado, here's our interview with E.K., as he is known during the interview. E.K. Chuku, welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me. Now, you don't mind if I call you E.K., do you? Not at all. Please call me E.K. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was a, 
I was excited to meet you at the um, at the convention because I saw what you were doing. And how many people actually came to you and were interviewed by you during that time period? Because you were there for two days. Yeah, that's right. It was my uh, really my debut, if you will. I had a nice podcast booth set up for a podcast that I'm trying to launch this Teacher Life podcast. And, uh, you know, a great friend of mine um, in in the headquarters at NJEA kind of helped me get set up with a booth. And, um, man, I've lost kind of how many uh, teachers I interviewed. I would say around a dozen or so over those two days. Wide wow. range of experiences. It was an incredible time. You know, and, and I had such a thrill talking to you. I, I really did. It was it was a great time. I have noticed, though, at the convention that the um, the numbers seem to have dropped in the last few years. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no, I'm so glad that you actually came up and started talking to me as well. You know, I was kind of running my mouth doing my podcast. and I didn't know who was hearing me. And um, it's always wonderful when another colleague comes by and says some kind things and introduces himself and just opened himself up to me. So thank you for stopping by. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the numbers, you know, the numbers are what they are. Um, have they dropped over the, I mean, I've, your perspective is probably much longer than mine. I'm a, I'm a seven year teacher, five in the teachers union. Um, and uh, so the numbers, yeah, I've heard that they've been lower than what they have been in the past, but you know, with more conventions like this and with uh, just the word getting out, I'm hoping that I, I'm, I don't see how those numbers don't go up because it's really an awesome experience overall. You know, it really is. And, and the interesting thing, I did my first um, presentation uh, down at the principal's convention in 1995, I think it was. And uh, there was 150,000 teachers there. Wow. Uh, and and I've been in the this is my 43rd year. And what I've noticed uh, is it has gone down this year. According to the numbers, they only had 10,000 teachers there. So that's quite a drop off in the last 20 years. OK, you're saying it went from 150K down to 10K. No, yeah, that, that is a significant drop um, over a period of time. Yeah, that was 95. So, uh, yeah. you know, over 20 years, 25 years. But, um, yeah. man, I, I'm holding out hope for the future. I'd love to even see us double what we had and maybe someday reach reach back to those numbers. <laughs> yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, it, it, it's almost like I think sometimes the teachers may get themselves a little bit, I don't know, despondent, upset may not even be the word, but I think – because of some of the difficulties in the healthcare industry and the testing and all the other things that they have to go through. Uh, and many districts get a week off. Uh, it's, it's almost mm -hmm. as if, do I go to Aruba or do I come here? <laughs> that's a, that's a very real, uh, that's a very real point, Jim. And I think that, um, you know, you're, you're also alluding to just the, the really tough, turbulent political landscape of teaching. So mm -hmm. with the testing, which has just become quite a burden with uh, the Chapter 78 legislation, which just eats a huge chunk out of our paychecks toward healthcare. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, you know, when you when you're getting beat down that much, uh, you're tempted to just continue to isolate, continue to kind of um, run away, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. um 
you would, you know, it's not just teachers. This would happen to anyone under this level of an attack. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the opposite is what needs to happen. Uh, this is the time where we need to come out, be proud of who we are, celebrate who we are, build solidarity with who we are, uh, with folks mm-hmm. around the state and beyond. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we got to figure out a way to encourage a different response to the very real assault on our profession. Mm-hmm. And and you're 100 percent right. And I what I find uh, worrisome is that through attrition and through teachers, maybe your adults, students choosing not to go into the field. I'm afraid that maybe in 10 years, we may have a shortage of teachers again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a shortage, there's a potential for shortage. And I would say equally as threatening is, is the push out such that once folks, the folks who do come in, you know, don't hang around long. And that's just equally as dangerous as a shortage. Mm, um, so, yeah. yeah. So it's so it's real. It's real. And um, again, all the more reason for us to come out, celebrate who we who we ought to be, what this profession ought to be about, uh, why we truthfully got into this profession, not what we're told this profession is about by people who've never been in a classroom in our shoes for even a minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we got some bright young stars, though, coming in as well. One of my joys over the two days at the convention was in, was interviewing a friend of mine who I uh, actually helped teach at Rutgers, uh, their urban teacher education program. And he's doing his first year a few months in. And, um, man, his energy was just just electric. So we got some and, folks out here. And we need more of that. And, and you know, you talk about push out. You know, there were teachers that would probably stay in the field for 40 years. But once they get up around 25 to 30 years in, districts are trying to maybe push them out to get, you know, a uh, maybe uh, less experienced teachers in because they mm-hmm. just happen to cost less money. There's that, which is uh, really quite, quite tragic because I mean, again, I've been in this game maybe, you know, seven years and I think about the time that it takes to accumulate not just the years of experience, but the tools and the toolkit, the emotional fortitude that's needed to do this job, you know, year in and year out, mm-hmm. the range, just the range of experiences The it's just a wealth of knowledge that you would hope that someone who's, who's accumulated 25, 30 years that you would want to you'd want to keep that in some way, pass that on and not kick it out. It's mm-hmm. really a sign of short sightedness. Uh, it's offensive to all of us that this is happening. And um, man, we can't let that happen. That's, that's a deep, rich resource right there that, mm-hmm. that we can all benefit from. I mean, <laughs> I can't stress mm-hmm. that, enough, you know, cause I know where I'm at right now in year seven mm-hmm. and uh, I can only imagine just, that wisdom that comes out of two decades, three decades of doing this work and mm-hmm. how they could just enlighten, not just, you know, our colleagues, but, you know, upcoming folk, t- uh, students, parents, politics, everyone needs to be, not, uh, you know, enlightened by that wisdom and to mm-hmm. just threaten to kick them out. It's like just so backward. It's, it's frightening. It can be, that's for sure. And, and, and I'm sure that the folks, there, there are folks also who have basically had it who could probably do another 10 years, but they're suffering from burnout. 
And that's also real. And, oh, yeah. and, and that's, and that's all, that's also another reason why, you know, it may not seem like going to the convention is a way for rejuvenation. Like you mentioned, you know, going to Aruba or some other sunny beach, but actually going to convention for me, and I'll speak for myself, I felt amazingly rejuvenated, partly mm-hmm. because when I'm in the school building, I get I get this feeling of there's a little bit of darkness there. There's a little bit of, man, I'm just trying to, you know, check every single box that the administration is throwing at me. But I go to convention and I'm around just other folks who are fired up for the profession. And I feel I feel incredible afterward, um, frankly, better than I likely would have felt had I gone to the beach. So mm-hmm. some of the best ways to beat that very real burnout is to be around educators who are rededicating themselves to the profession because, you know, after the beach, you got to come back to work. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a great point. You make an excellent point. You, you got to go back to work. And it, sometimes it's harder to go back to work after the beach as opposed to the convention. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, it, 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 you know, it sounds, you know, counterintuitive, man, but that's really what it is. Yeah. So why did you go into education? Oh, my goodness. You know what? Uh, Had someone, you know, uh, I don't know, read a crystal ball to me when I was in the 11th grade and told me I'd be an educator. I would uh, have helped them smash that crystal ball into the ground and tell them you're nuts. There's no way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's just no way. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't been that inspired by the educators I had actually seen up until that point. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until, um, you know, my college journey that it it began to I began to be able to critically appraise my my hit my personal history uh in education in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Uh, my parents kind of nudged me towards the field of pharmacy actually. And me just thinking, okay, hey, lucrative career comes with a bit of prestige too. Somebody might call me Dr. So and so one day. Why not? I'll do it. I think I can swing those grades. Mm-hmm. And um I started off flying high with it, but, you know, the older I got and, you know, right when I was hitting my junior year in college um, or actually rather my junior year in high school, that was when, you know, 2001, 9-11, George Bush, that that occurred. And slowly but surely, I just began to ask myself questions like, like, yeah, people just like, I don't know, hate us that much <laughs> and, and, and you know, wanted to drive these planes into these built like there had to be something deeper and. Then, you know, there's the reelection that, that happens, I think, in uh, 2004 and I'm just paying close attention. And then, you know, Bush gets reelected and I'm like, man, are there some real stuff happening in this world? Like, I, you know, pharmacy is one option, but uh, in no way am I dealing with the lived experiences and the collective traumas and tragedies of of this country and the world if I just remain uh, in the pharmacy field. So I actually mm-hmm. just kind of. I grew, I grew away from it. I grew apart from it. I said, I need to do something that enables me to, to have an impact on, um, on the past, present and the future. So, um, after transitioning away from pharmacy, you know, I embraced, uh, I embraced myself as a reader, as a writer. And, uh, shortly after that, I said, you know what? Teaching is just, it makes the most sense. I'll also say that I was a student at Rutgers, Newark, Rutgers University, Newark. And there was this amazing um, program there called the uh, ALI, the Abbott Leadership Institute. And um, just to hear uh, the, these conversations on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. 
uh, mm-hmm. parents, teachers, students, um, everybody just uh, talking about the latest developments in politics and education in the city of Newark and con- making broader connections throughout the state, the country. I was like, man, I didn't realize that the battlefield of education was this uh, political and tumultuous. And, you know, being a teacher is not only an opportunity to to do some work in a classroom, but, you know, perhaps directly or indirectly impact the world that I was just starting to care more and more about. So, um, you know, that's kind of what got me into it. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, just listening to your talk, whoever has you as a, as a teacher, those students are very fortunate. Uh, I've, I've been around for 43 years, 43. And I, I have watched, you know, the passion leave in, in some instances and hearing you talk really inspires me. I, and I mean that sincerely. I truly do. Oh, uh, uh, thank you. That's, that's a quite a high compliment. I wish that, um, you know, to be honest, I wish that I, you know, I wish that the reason why I got into education and what I do daily as an educator, I wish that I wish that they were more congruent on a daily basis. Let me say it in that way, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's some days where I'm like, okay, I know why I got into this, but what I'm doing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there just seems to be like a huge ocean in between the two. So, so there's, there's that, there's me always trying to make sure that I'm being true to why I came into this. And there's some days where I'm better at it than others. Well, you know, that just means we're all human. That's all that means, you know. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, in terms of you, you said you had seven years in, and and you're learning a lot in the process, and so on. How do you think you've improved or evolved over that seven year period? Well, uh, great question. Uh, when I first started, you know, I mentioned that I transitioned into being an English. Um, I, you know, embracing myself as a reader and a writer, I was an English major, although I began as a pharmacy major. Um, so I started off as an English teacher in a middle school level. I was at a charter school. That Those were the folks who hired me first. I'm certainly no fan of charter schools whatsoever, mm-hmm. but, you know, they, they gave me an opportunity first. And there it was just uh, this, this uh, single-minded attention toward test prep that -hmm. I had to contend with among other challenges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I personally just was not able to square that with why I came into education. I couldn't figure out how to serve both masters, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I I transitioned and I decided, okay, I'm going to use my uh, educational background from my pharmacy school preparation because I had enough chemistry credits, although I never uh, completed pharmacy school. So I got certified to teach chemistry. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result, um, I transitioned from teaching English to chemistry. And that was a great, uh, it was a great evolution for me. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, I'm still this English teacher deep down somewhere in the core of me. So I'm mm-hmm. always trying to find ways to insert literacy opportunities as in, as a chemistry teacher, I'm trying to find ways to have, you know, critical dialogues, you know, locating us inside of the current world that we live in and all of its mm-hmm. beauty and its mess and uh, mm-hmm. trying to imagine ways to, uh, you know, to use science as a way to to appreciate that and uh, perhaps mm-hmm. even address it. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
that's been a great part of my my evolution. And also, I think I just have a greater appreciation for the profession at large. I mean, when I got into it, I just I wanted to, you know, teach some kids. But now, you know, the the profession as a whole matters to me more. Um, I'm realizing as well, you know, regardless of what subject I'm teaching, at the end of the day, I'm teaching students, I'm teaching Mm -hmm. children, I'm teaching humans. And so uh, stories matter, mine, theirs, uh, sharing, connecting, uh, building more and more connections with my students. That that takes priority, frankly, to me over content. The two are not mutually exclusive. The more connections that I can have with them the more rich and meaningful the content will be to both of us because, you know, we both have to go home at the end of the day and process how our day went. And if they were bored the whole day or if, or if I wasn't, you know, uh, intellectually stimulated by the exchange, then, you know, we, we both go home with our heads down and, and the opposite is also true if it's a meaningful exchange. So, you know, these are some of the ways I've uh, tried to, I've you know, tried to understand my evolution over these last few years. Um, I know that, again, thanks to an organization like MAPSO Freedom School um, that I'm a part of, like just I know that, you know, I need to be around other like minded educators to feed me, to rejuvenate me, because, again, that. I don't know if I want to call it an attack or a beat down <laughs> as a professional mm-hmm. educator, but whatever it is, like it's that real if I don't repeatedly find ways to renew myself, um, it'll get the best of me. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. those are just a few ways. You know, and it, 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 when it seems, well, I, I can only speak for myself, but uh, I always have to have a project on the bench. Mm. I always got to be working on something, uh, whether it be learning how to be a better podcaster, or I write online courses. Uh, mm. I, I, uh, I write to my website. I uh, love my teaching. Uh, I'm a college instructor. I love doing that. But I always seem to have to have something going on, as you do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's almost as if you are, you are a, a, you're an educator, but through that, that as you evolve, what happens is is you're evolving because you're doing so many things outside of education that are educationally, you know, uh, where you're educationally involved, but it seems like you feel pretty content having a lot of different projects going on. Uh, Jim, you, you nailed it. Uh, the same is true for me as well. The stuff that I do outside of the school building, uh, it, it needs, I need to be doing a diverse array of things. Um, I need to be involved again. You know, I can also mention project, uh, podcast project, writing projects. Um, also, you know, I've been, I taught a course at Rutgers, Newark as well. I'm taking a grad course at William Patterson. Uh, there's a few things, like, I I know what you mean. Like I need that because they all feed each other. Actually, you Mm -hmm. know, the teaching feeds those projects, those projects feed the teaching, Um, and, and it's, and it's, but it should also feel seamless because, you know, whereas we might list all the projects that we're doing and someone might say, whoa, how are you not overwhelmed right now? Um, and you know, whereas there may be times where I do get overwhelmed overall though, it's supposed to feel seamless because they're all kind of similar. They all have something about them that shows up in all, in all the different uh, dimensions of it. So, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. 
I'm still gaining an appreciation for that. There are some days where I'm like, wait, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I giving myself so much more on my plate right now? Don't I have enough? But I, but it, but you're right. I, you use the word need, and I do think it is a need. Uh, yeah, yeah. We it 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 feeds us. It feeds our spirit. It feeds our mind. It feeds our soul. Mm-hmm. And it's it's obvious, you know, in speaking to you, that it's um, something that you enjoy. Tell me more about this uh, about the Mapso Freedom School. I would really like to hear a little more about it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So Mapso Freedom School, uh, I believe this must have been the year 2016 in the summer is when we kind of got our kickoff in response to a local tragedy in uh, Maplewood, New Jersey, whereby uh, some students, uh, African-American, were out on July 5th, the day, the day after Independence Day. Uh, there was a celebration. And um, at the close of the celebration, as they were heading home, a group of officers uh, looked at these young folk and said, there's no way that you are residents of this, um, you know, elite, I don't know, suburban area. So uh, although you're walking toward what you claim is your home, I'm going to herd you in the other direction towards the uh, nearby uh, next town, which is an urban area that the cops uh, assumed that the kids were from. And uh, totally ignored the students on the way. Uh, in fact, tried to antagonize them and even got physical with them as the students were saying, look, we are, <laughs> you are taking us further and further away from our homes. It's late at night, you know, enough is enough. And they, uh, and they reported this to a local, a teacher in the, in the school district, TJ Whitaker, who had already a reputation for being a social justice educator. And, um, you know, we thought of, okay. And, you know, we, and we, you know, it was a group of educators who had either matriculated through the district or been teachers in the district. I, I, I've matriculated through that district when I was, when I was a student and we said, okay, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to address this? And we decided to, you know, bring students, parents, teachers together to do a day of freedom school, which is just Mm -hmm. to enlighten folks about not only what the event was that happened on that July 5th, but the history behind it. And, um, and, you know, some of the more hopefully comprehensive ways to respond to it through like a Know Your Rights campaign, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that was in the summer. But, you know, again, we we decided to, you know, thanks indeed to um, one of our other members, Okaikor R.A. Price, soon to be Dr. Okaikor R.A. Price. Uh, she she said, you know, we should our ambition should be to become a freedom school, which is to say we are going to be an ongoing response to this. It's not mm-hmm. just going to be a a one afternoon or a one day or a one week new cycle kind of response, but we're going to continue to hammer at this because this is not new, but it does uh, require a, a deep response. And so mm-hmm. our response has evolved over the years. Here we are now in 2019. We've done a number of professional development conferences. Um, we did an ed camp conference not too long ago. Uh, even yesterday we had a, wonderful event at um at SOPAC, the South Orange Performing Arts Center, where we uh screened a documentary called Push Out, which talks about the uh, criminalization and the push out of schools of black of young black girls. Mm-hmm. So uh, and that was, you know, very well attended. We had an amazing panel afterward. And um I just salute that whole squad for for all the work that we do to to put these events on. It's it's not easy. And um we're all educators and we all have families and, uh, you know, we, 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 uh, do our best to make time for the, you know, for the, 
the the text messages that are needed, the emails, the flyers, the, the web chats, et cetera. Uh, but it's just an amazing, fulfilling uh, group of educators that I'm fortunate to be a part of. You know, I am so happy to hear uh, that you are a part of uh, setting this up, the Freedom School. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it it really connects with me in terms of my anti-bullying work. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. That's what I do. I am an anti-bullying consultant. Uh, and, and that's how I, and, and of course you you only, you only become what you become through experience. And I experienced enough bullying as a kid myself, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, by other kids as these young men did by the police officers, uh, that believe it or not, you can call it what you want. It's bullying to me that that's all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the push out of young girls, that's bullying young black girls. That's bullying to me. Mm-hmm. And there, any time you uh, put someone in a position where they feel frightened or intimidated or harassed, they're being bullied. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And, yeah. and I'm so happy to hear that you have this because this doesn't get spoken about enough. It doesn't get addressed enough. The only the only time you hear you see nobody. This is the thing that really does bother me. The only time you hear of yeah, where you have difficulty in a community where the, the the cops are using their authority in the wrong way, you know, against African American uh, students or uh, or uh, kids or whatever the case is when is when you know something bad happens. And we people need to know more about what you're doing in terms of because you're looking to create an environment that educates and helps people. And that's why it's so good. This should be on the news. This type of thing should be on the news. Indeed. No, thank you. Um, and again, just salute to the whole squad that makes this possible. <laughs> But you're right. I mean, I even like the vocabulary that you use to understand and appreciate what's happening. It's bullying and um, <clears throat> something that we try to really appreciate as well and unpack is is the nature of, of like these systems of bullying. So, you know, there's a system of bullying. There's not like these aren't just I think sometimes when the bullying occurs, we tend to notice an individual who's doing the bullying or getting bullied. And at least in my work and my, you know, attempt to understand this, I'm starting to notice that it's, it it's all, while it, there may be individual actors and victims, you know, if you look, if you take a more critical look, you start to notice that there's a system of bullies and a mm-hmm. system of bully victims or class mm-hmm. of, of bully victims and um, and there's multiple systems of it because it's not just in the schools. It's not just, you know, police departments. It's I mean, it's sometimes if you take a broader look at our national policy. Right. I mean, it's you know, there's a there's a system of bullies who, you know, lead wars. Right. To me, that's mm-hmm. also bullying. Um, you know, there's a class of folk who you know, will will threaten people's health, their wealth. Uh, if you look at health statistics, wealth statistics, I had my students reading an article today about um, elevated 
blood lead levels in adolescents throughout the state of New Jersey? And where do we notice some of the highest cases of it? You know, these are the, you know, urban areas where, Mm -hmm. which are highly populated by black folk and brown folk. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a system carrying this out, you know, and, and the victims are also, you know, there's, there's a pattern of who the victims are. So, Mm -hmm. uh, on one level, you know, bullying can be understood as a one-on-one or a group-on-one or group-on-group thing. But it's, you know, for me, I'm beginning to, uh, we're, we're trying to find ways to to stress the systemic nature and cause of this bullying. You're 100% right. We are in a bullying culture right now. And, and, and I spoke with my wife the other day and I said, wait until after Christmas and we get into January. When we have our, we start to have people really campaigning mm-hmm. for, you know, because we have a presidential election come up. I have never seen such bullying in my life <laughs> and how these people speak to one another, how they address each other, how they try to intimidate one another, yeah. you know, and so on. And it's going to go on and it's going to be a circus as far as I'm concerned between now and the time we have the election. And it may be a circus beyond that. Because we yeah. haven't had it, we haven't had any peace since 2016. I mean, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw any stones here. Sure, but we, sure. ha- we have not had any peace since 2016, unfortunately. Sure. Sure. No, the uh, it's yeah. I mean, and as educators, something that we need to appreciate is just how political um, our profession is. I mean, that's what it's become. I mean, we we're doing political work in many ways and we got to appreciate the ways in which we are doing it. Um, Sometimes democracy is reduced to voting every couple of years for one party or the other. And um, as teachers, we have an opportunity to deepen what civic engagement looks like so that it's not just once every few years, but it can literally be every single day we are trying to unpack the uh, the traumas, the the bullies, who the bullies are, who the victims are, what the nature of the bullying is, how best mm-hmm. to address it to stop to permanent find a way to permanently stop this bullying, the system of bullying. Um, mm-hmm. That's what we have the potential to do with our profession, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a very political job in that sense. I mean, we're not elected, but um, you know, we've we've got to be the counterbalance to the to the bullying that happens at the mainstream that you just alluded to. Mm-hmm. Well, I've often said it, EK, that if they had a medical summit in Washington, they'd invite doctors. If they had a legal summit, they'd invite lawyers. If they had an educational summit, we wouldn't get invited. Mm-hmm. No, uh, we wouldn't. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the sad part. I mean, that's where they're not speaking to people who are in the trenches who understand the system, understand what's going on, and can really lend uh, uh, a, a their advice, their knowledge, and s- tell it like it is. No, you're but, you're you're totally right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're totally right, and I, and I just don't, I don't, I don't see. You know, when we think of uh, doctors that you named, you know, lawyers that you named, I mean, you could throw in bankers uh, and a whole host, architects, whoever. You know, but when it comes to teachers, they wouldn't. And I tell you, if teaching wasn't a uh, a predominantly female uh, driven profession, 
I don't see how this would be happening. I, in part, I mean, there are many reasons for why, you know, we as teachers are getting bullied at the systemic level. But I think one of the main reasons actually is because of uh, it's a function of patriarchy, frankly. I mean, you know, you have a you have a professional group of folks who are more educated, generally speaking, than most politicians, uh, most bankers, uh, most architects. <laughs> but because, again, we are predominantly a women driven um, profession, we expect that, uh, you know, we tell them what they're going to do and they're just going to do it. And how dare they ask us any questions or give us any critical feedback? We already told them what we want them to do. What's the problem? You know, and I, I really think that's a, a, a big part of it, though it's not the only part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I got one more question for you. You, uh, let's let's just say you put in forty years in education, and you come to the end of the road. What would you like to have people say about you at your mm. retirement dinner? Mm. Um, he tried, (laughs) you know, keep it simple, keep it short. I'm not somebody who wants to, uh, hear too much about me. You know, he tried, just, just say he tried, um, and let that capture it all. Um, and then let's let, you know, the next day I want to attend a meeting somewhere or I want to meet with a group of other educators or students or parents, um, if I got if I got a march and a rally or something the next day after that retirement, let's do it. If there's a mm-hmm. there's a podcast interview, let's do it. Like I just I just want to get back to the work. If there's an mm-hmm. article or a book that needs to get written or reviewed or whatever, let's do it. Mm-hmm. If there's some curriculum that we need to go write, let's write it. Like I just mm-hmm. uh, I don't really want to stop, man. Mm-hmm. I you know retirement I hope is more of a comma in my mm-hmm. professional life than a period. There you go. It, 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 we are. Lifetime educators, as you just said, it doesn't stop until I guess we're horizontal, right? I mean, we're vertical now, <laughs> but when we're horizontal, we'll be laying down. That's for sure. Do, do you have any other ambitions that you'd like to pursue? Uh, you know, I'm actually <clears throat> currently taking a uh, course in uh, creative writing. I uh, would love to have opportunities to publish some poetry. Uh continue to just make sense out of not only this profession, but this country, this world through some essay writing. So I'd love to hopefully get published as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the podcast earlier um, and just, you know, I want to, you know, been married recently uh, last year. So about a year and a few months in, and I just want to get better at being a husband. I uh, hope to be a father one day. Mm-hmm. Um you know, be as good of an oldest brother to my siblings and a a good son to my parents and a grandson to my grandparents. Uh, you know, th- 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 those are some of my ambitions, you know, to be a productive and helpful member within my church community. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, what, what another, whatever other way I can be a, a resource to folks around me. That's beautiful. You know, Stephen Covey once said that we all have roles and we need to have goals in those roles. Mm. And you you hit on every one of them right there. Mm. You know, a productive husband, father, church worker, church church member, you know, and so on. And that's a beautiful thing. 
And I am so, once again, I am so thrilled that I had the opportunity to meet you. I really am. Oh, man, Jim, uh, those words mean a lot to me. And I'm so thankful that you popped into my my little raggedy uh, podcast booth at the convention and uh, just came to greet a first timer and give me such words of encouragement and uh, and share what you've learned in your podcast journey. Uh, that that is that has actually been my experience with other educators who who have just been so gracious and generous. So I'm thankful that I'm thankful to be a teacher. I'm thankful to have met you and I'm thankful for this podcast interview as well. Well, you you can bet that this friendship will not end here. And I, I look forward to more conversations with you, EK. Truly, I do. And I completely thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. Let's do this again. We will. You have a great evening. Oh, same to you. Same Take to you, care. Joe. Right. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. The interview with... Ikachu owning, I'll get it right yet, Ikechuku Anyama, better known as E.K. I was so impressed by this young man and the work that he's doing, not only in his school, but in his life, with the Freedom School that he started for social justice that he's a part of, as he says, with a team. We need more guys like him. We need people who will fight for the cause. He's involved with social justice as far as I'm concerned. He's doing his best to try and stop systemic bullying, which is part of our culture today. And I admire him. I am thrilled that my listeners had an opportunity to hear him, to hear him and hear what he has to say. He's dedicated to his craft, dedicated to his family, and dedicated to helping others not experience the injustices that go on in this world. So I am very grateful and thankful that he was on the show, and I thank you, E.K., for taking the time. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. Once again, I'll ask you to please go to the website, www.bullyproofclassroom.com. Take a look at some of the products that we have there, some of the courses that we have. These courses are available to schools. They're available to uh, individuals. They're available to everyone. So please take the time and go to the website. Also, I have a donate button on my uh, in the in the episode description. If you haven't done so already, please take the time to do that. Uh, that will take you to a spot where you can donate a dollar, two dollars, whatever the case may be. This podcast doesn't run on its own, and we always need help and making sure that we can produce it and we can get guys like EK on the show who can communicate to my listeners and to the world what he's doing and what needs to be done in the area of anti-bullying. Today is, what is it, November 23rd? No, it's November 22nd. 
2019. It's a little cloudy out today. It's not not a bad day. A few clouds in the air. You know, it's not too cold. It's a pretty good day. But I want everyone to remember that you carry your own weather around with you. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. Thank you for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.